Welcome to the welcome to the Under Eight Podcast, a daily college basketball podcast, brought to you in every weekday under eight minutes. At the time of recording, it is Thursday, November 9th at twelve oh four a.m. My name is Josh Molinex. On today's pod, a pair of matchups in the Windy City. Syracuse gets a second win of the season on a relatively slow night in college hoops. It's all right now on the Under Eight Podcast. Josh Doring is here with me. Josh, you can rest easy tonight knowing that if you played a college basketball game on this particular evening, you probably would have had a better offensive performance than the Arizona State Sun Devils. 71-56, they fall to Mississippi State. 17 for 53 from the field, 5 of 21 from the three-point line. Thank the Lord they went to the to the excuse me, 5 of 21 from the three-point line. Thank goodness they went to the free throw line 25 times because they might not have cracked 25 if it weren't for the charity stripe. Yeah. Uh, you'll be surprised to know the 17 made field goals were their fewest since the 51-29. Yes, 29. Lost to Washington State in December mm. of 2021, if you remember that game. So, uh, yeah. I've got I've got a poster of that one. I look at it every day. <laughs> At fifty-one twenty-nine loss, I look. I see it all the time. <laughs> I mean, Trey Ford comes back from two years of JUCO, and, and it's halftime. Eighteen Arizona State, fourteen Trey Ford, and mm-hmm. it it didn't get. I mean, Arizona State did better in the second half, but you can't do much worse. So, you know, and the other thing I'll throw out there too: this was a Mississippi State team without Tolu Smith. Mm-hmm. That is a huge deal, and they just didn't miss him at all in this game. Uh, a Mississippi State team without Tolu Smith, a Mississippi State team without Shaquille Moore, a Mississippi State team without Keyshawn Murphy, basically, you know, three starter level guys. We just didn't have any of them, and it didn't it didn't particularly matter. I am, I I feel like I have the same relationship with Arizona State every single every single year. It's all low efficiency guys. None of them are really known for sharing the basketball. Some nights they'll make a bunch of shots and it'll look decent. And they'll sometimes even go on stretches where they sniff number one in the country, you know, in, in miraculously because it all kind of gels together for a couple of weeks. And then at some point it seems to fall apart. They don't shoot it well. And then you have nights like this. I feel like it's, just some variation of this over and over again for Bobby Harley's program right now. And it's going to be interesting in a year where the Pac-12 looks to be so far living up to the fairly high expectations mm-hmm. because, yeah, they're, they're going to have a couple of those games where they probably just can't be stopped. And it might actually alter the Pac-12 standings at the top if they get it on the right day. But the inconsistency is what is consistent as we kind mm-hmm. of like to say. Yeah. That's, that's about the last thing that you want to be consistent. Seventy-one fifty-six, the Mississippi state bulldogs get a victory. Um, they were, they were solid. Like you said, um, 
missing some players, but didn't have a ton of trouble uh, at Wintrust Arena on on Wednesday night. the The early game on on Wednesday night at Wintrust, the Barstool Sports Invitational, sure, um, was FAU Florida Atlantic against Loyola Chicago. The the first time that we've seen the Owls post Final Four in this season, where they're top ten preseason. Lots of hype around this basketball team and all of the pieces that Dusty May brought back from last year's Final Four squad, a squad that won 30, uh, you know, north of 30 games. So they looked like a team against Loyola Chicago that they outmatched and kind of took care of business, even though it took the Owls uh, a little while to kind of get going early in this game, but ultimately kind of controlled it for all 40 minutes. Yeah. Balanced scoring, like we expect to see from this team. And you always think John L. Davis, Elijah Martin. Well, Elijah Martin had five points on one of eight shooting. Mm-hmm. They still found a way to get it done. Vlad Golden was really good. You can go down the list. Most of the other starters were really good. You didn't get a lot from the bench. But the the thing I sort of came away with is these are the kind – and I know Loyola is not where Loyola was a couple of years ago. But these are the kind of games you're going to play – in the AAC, right? Not not the top end of the AAC, but if they're going to be what they're supposed to be this year, they should be winning these games consistently. And so you can't draw too many positive conclusions about, oh, Fort Atlantic is going to be a top 10 team all season based on this or anything like that. But it is good to see them take care of business and look pretty convincing against the kind of team you're going to see in conference play pretty often. Yeah, it, the thing that I'll point towards as they get some of these tougher matchups in non-conference and then, of course, where this team wants to get back to ultimately is, and you mentioned it a little bit, but you're going to need more than four four field goals total from the bench. You're just going to, when you have a balanced attack like that against the best teams, the bench is going to be part of that. So it didn't matter tonight, Loyal Chicago bouncing back from a um, – from a disappointing season a year ago, they're definitely in a, in a rebuild phase at the moment. So it shouldn't take uh, hitting on all cylinders for FAU to control this game. Like you, like you said, but uh, certainly some room for improvement. Yeah. It, the, the depth is back. That's the whole point. It's not just two guys. It's not just five guys. It's that you've got seven or eight contributors from last year's team that played real meaningful minutes that are back. Mm-hmm. Going to need all those guys to contribute. And, right, players have bad days. Players are rusty at the beginning of the season. Yeah. Just in a fair point of observation. Last but not least, well, a couple different things. But Josh Josh has been all in on the orange of Syracuse in the preseason. And so on a slow night in the college basketball world, when Syracuse plays, uh, Josh very nicely asked if we could touch on the orange, the orange now two and O after a 89 77 win over Canisius Judiments, 26 points, JJ Starling, the Notre Dame transfer, former five-star 17, seven and seven. That's a really nice stat line. And, um, 10 to 22 from the three point line for Canisius, but they went five of 17 from the stripe. Oh, you that's like, out, I guess that that's, that's one of those, did I read that right stats? But that is absolutely how you read it. And um, Syracuse getting a 12 point win. And now they're two and zero 
as they're in the early stages of the post Bayheim era. Yeah. I, I've been saying this. I'll say it again. The talent is there. Adrian Autry is not working with a bunch of kind of leftover pieces that he's going to try and have to put together here. Mm-hmm. This team has real legit talent that starts with Judah Mintz and JJ Starling. We, you already read off their stat lines. Now, the other part of this is, yeah, I mean, it helps when the other team can't hit free throws. And we're going to need to see this defense against better opposition because it's not like everything was perfect. But they're showing you they've got some firepower at the very least, which is something that's exciting that you wouldn't necessarily say about Syracuse in recent seasons. I'm not totally convinced that the defense is any good, but we'll we'll see. Right now they are right early sample size, but right now they are the 186th ranked defense at Kempom. That's that's not that's that's not good enough. Like I said, really small sample size, but you know, giving up north of 70 points to two, you know, sub 260 Kempom teams that weren't great offensively last year. So definitely some room to improve but like you said i'd like i'd probably if i'm if i'm taking over the reins of the syracuse program i'd I'd like to to be in the place where they are right now with some firepower that they didn't necessarily have the last couple years 81st in offensive efficiency last year and the year before that year before that they were good but um 81st last year uh, I'd be surprised if they're that low again this year. Yeah, Last but not ju- least. Sorry, go ahead. Uh, it just feels like they can score at a much higher level mm-hmm. this season. That's Last but not least, a, a bumper in the West Coast Conference. And just for the, the, the top echelon of the sport in general, Gonzaga Wings steal Venters out for the season with a knee injury. That was 15.3 points per game on 37.1% shooting that Mark Few's team is going to miss uh, this year. The wing depth was already a question mark for Gonzaga, and having a guy like Steele out of the rotation is going to mean some pretty big shoes for guys like Dusty Schrammer and and some other freshmen and young college basketball players to, uh, to, to step up and produce in that spot. The excitement about this team and the way it was built was around these transfers. And not just one of them, not just two of them, but three of them. And Steel Ventures was one of those three transfers. So obviously devastating for him, but also it does leave a serious hole here and some question marks about how does this get filled? What does this mean for Gonzaga's ceiling as a team that, I think you would agree people seem to be higher than I thought on with the additions, mainly these transfers. And so now, unfortunately, you've already lost one of them. We're going to have to see what that means. And if, like you said, anybody can fill that gap and kind of pick up the slack in a situation that you're not used to really seeing Mm-hmm. those players at Gonzaga, right? It's more of a either transfer heavy or developmental program. It's going to look a little bit different here, trying to fill the spot that was supposed to be steel ventures. You know, the, the, the starting five of this team has a similar vibe. I mean, of course it doesn't have a drew Timmy in it, but it still has lots of 
proven college basketball talent, Ryan Nemhard, Anton Watson. Uh, it's it's the 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 bench doesn't have the same kind of oh my gosh there's an Andrew Nimhard coming off the bench there's an Anton Watson coming off the bench kind of Five thing it are, right it, it, at at this point it's only been Greg coming off the bench that has any sort of college basketball production in the past and so that was already something I was looking at and to see it uh, get it even slimmer is is frankly a bummer. Uh, to not to not see Venters in in a Gonzaga uniform this year. Yeah, it's, it's going to be interesting to see what kind of impact this has. This could be a this could be a really big deal in terms of, uh, like I already said, Gonzaga ceiling, and also just simply the WCC title race because mm-hmm. the margin might be that thin. St. Mary's is that good. They St. Mary's once I saw the news, St. Mary's was plus one thirty to win the West Coast Conference. I uh, I wouldn't be surprised if if that moves into a with Gonzaga being the slight like minus one twenty five favorite. Um, I wouldn't be surprised if that got even closer to 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 a pick em between those two teams. Yep. That's all we've got for you for the Under Eight podcast for Wednesday, November eighth. Recorded very early in the morning on Thursday, November 9th. Be sure to subscribe to the podcast wherever you listen to your shows and follow the Under 8 Pod on Twitter, TikTok, and YouTube. Thank you so much for being here, and we will see you tomorrow.